Have you found yourself wondering lately, what is God doing? Some friends and I were sitting around in my backyard. We were social distancing, but we were still close enough to be able to talk. And we were all talking about how apocalyptic 2020 is turning out to be. I mean, it's been months now since we started coping with this pandemic. And it's been horrifying to see the numbers just go up and up and up with millions of people coming down with it and over 450,000 people dying so far. And then when we were emotionally fragile, we were hardly prepared to hear about murder hornets in Washington and fires in California and earthquakes in Nevada. And then we find out there's a bonus 13 or maybe even 14 hurricanes lined up for the East Coast. And then there's this resurgence of locust swarms and Ebola in Africa. And then the tragic and shocking death of yet another black man took us right over the edge. And we're asking, what is God doing? How can we even know? And to get an answer, I think we need to think about a concept called B prime. Now here's how it starts. We usually find ourselves at point A and we intend to, or at least we want to, get to point B. So we devise a plan and we start. Plenty of times we do, we get there to point B, but plenty of other times it feels like an obstacle course, doesn't it? it? Feels like the map keeps changing and then we have to keep changing methods and then we end up way off course or we end up going backwards and sometimes there's a barrier and we just can't get through the barrier. But what if there were a B prime, a destination we never thought of, but that's what God had in mind the whole time? I first learned about this perspective when Dave and I got involved with the Lay Counselor Institute, which is an organization we've been involved with for probably about 10 years now. And here's how it goes. Understanding B prime begins with understanding what God's purposes are for life on earth. So what is the grand vision for what the Lord is doing? What is God's agenda? What does God intend to accomplish in the lives of all humanity? Or what about in an individual's life? What about in my life? What about in your life? What is God doing? Now, even these questions are based on a theology which a priori understands that God is interested in individual lives and that God has a purpose. God has a plan for every person and that the Lord has the wherewithal to follow through with those intentions. So can we know what God's intentions are, what God's plan is? And I think we can. The whole of scripture describes two consistent themes. And the first one is that God is governing the cosmos and that includes the physical earth. So the movement of the stars and the planets and the celestial orbs, the sustaining of all life on the planet we call Earth, the rise and fall of nations, these grand sweeping things, God is governing all that. And then the other theme is that God is guiding the events of history toward a particular day, the day of the Lord. And in that guiding, God is saving human lives for eternity, and he's sanctifying the lives that God saves. Now, there's still so much that we don't know about the universe, but everything we learn fills us with this sense of awe at the sheer complexity, the hugeness, the beauty, the grandeur of what's out there in space. 
the life cycle of the stars, the stability of the galaxies, the trajectories of comets, the orbits of planets. I mean, it goes beyond all imagining. And the Bible says that God is sustaining all this by the power of God's word. And even on our one planet, among all the billions of planets in the universe, God is actively involved by the power of God's word in sustaining all life and everything that life needs from the molecular level up to the macro level. Did you know that earthquakes are crucial to keeping the earth warm enough to maintain life? Yeah, it's true. It is all about keeping the core and the surface of the earth within this certain narrow band of warmth. And so the movement of the plates, plate tectonics, is crucial for life. And more broadly speaking, what we call natural disasters are really the sweep of needed events to keep the eco-niches thriving. In our moment of experience, it feels like disaster. But if you pull back to a millennia-long vista, you see that this longer view shows that God is guaranteeing continued life on earth. Now, the Bible does also say that humanity, in a mysterious way, ushered in corruption and death for the entire world and all life in it. And the Apostle Paul spoke of the earth groaning under the sheer weight of sin. Now, at some point in time, we know from the prophets, and particularly from books like Isaiah's book and Zechariah and Revelation and maybe Daniel and a few others, that God's current objectives will change. There will be a culmination, a recreation of all that is. But that time is not this time, our time period. The church has traditionally called this time period, this area that you and I are living in, the Age of Grace. Now, during this season, during this Age of Grace, God is pursuing a two-pronged agenda among humanity with countless variety of permutations. And that agenda is served in the spiritual plane while being experienced in the physical plane. So what's happening in the spiritual plane? Well, this is where we first encountered the idea of be prime. This is where God's goals and God's desires and our effort in discovering those goals and desires and accepting them and living them out come together. So what has the Lord clearly stated are God's objectives during this age of grace? Well, the first is salvation. Being reborn. Being born anew. Being born from above. Which is to say, being regenerated to spiritual life, filled with the life of God through the divine work of God's Holy Spirit. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. And then the other prong of that agenda is to sanctify. So that begins with learning to live by faith, not by my own understanding. As the Proverbs say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. And learning to live by faith involves my character being conformed to God's character. As Paul said, be conformed to the image of God's Son. And that conforming of my character is going to involve growing in wisdom, which is living out the truths I learn. This is not about knowing stuff. 
Knowing stuff is just knowing stuff. Makes me a smarter sinner. But wisdom is living out the things that I learn. Living out the truths that I learn. And as James said, if any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. And in that growing in wisdom, I learn how to exercise my spiritual gifts. As Paul also said, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And ultimately, doing what I can for the common good is learning and living in relational wisdom, which involves the care of others as well as myself. And the code word here is agape. As Peter said, have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart and a humble mind. Now all that's happening on the spiritual plane, but we live on the physical plane. And that's where the ordinary B is, in which I'm at point A, and my intent is somehow to get to point B, and these are my goals and my desires and the effort that I expend to achieve them in my relationships, in my work, in my pursuits, in my dreams, in my hopes, and in my callings. So now we get to the nitty-gritty of all this. What happens when someone stays on the physical plane, expecting formulas and techniques and methods to guarantee achievement of their goals and their desires? I mean, you and I both know. There are walls and walls of books that have how-to on them, right? The 10 easy steps. Follow this method and it's guaranteed. If you do these few techniques, this will happen. And what happens when we rely on those? Well, there's a few possibilities. I mean, obviously, sometimes we do manage to achieve what it is that we wanted. But then self-pride, the temptation of self-pride kind of creeps in. Because, well, we did it. There's another temptation, the temptation to anxiety. Because just as often, we start getting afraid that we might not be able to pull this off. And that's what anxiety is. It's a deep fear that we may not be able to achieve the thing that we've set our heart on. That there are other factors over which we have no control. And we might not get our way. It's even worse when we start worrying that maybe God doesn't intend for us to achieve that goal. Or it seems like God isn't helping us to achieve that goal. And then there's a third temptation. It's a temptation to the dark arts for extra power. And I'm talking about manipulation and deceit. Isn't it true that we start pulling out of our back pocket things that we thought we'd never do, but boy, we want point B so bad. Now, when God permits someone to have their point B come true, very often... That person does not remember to thank God, but instead they thank themselves. And they thank their smartness and their successful application of whatever method they used. And such a person would be operating under the assumption that point B, whatever they had in mind for point B from their point A, was achievable. And in their own life, that the path to point B is guaranteed. You just need to figure out how. I mean, think about the things that we tell ourselves we absolutely are going to have or do. And that the trick is just to find and accurately apply the correct method. 
And if point B is not achieved, then blame is placed squarely on the choice of method, or the inaccuracy of the application, or the inability to move whatever barrier there was. Now, I can hear some of you saying that maybe point B actually is God's aim, because at least sometimes, well, it's a good point B, right? What about a godly marriage? What about raising up children in the Lord? What about having a successful career or a successful work? What about having a successful ministry? What about the development of our talents and our gifts? I mean, aren't these point Bs that God would surely be invested in for his people? And what if I do have a godly marriage? Or, or what if I do have a successful career? Or that I have a successful ministry or something? What if I asked for these things in prayer? I mean, after all, the Bible says, ask and ye shall receive, right? Does that mean I'm not really blessed? Does it mean I'm not really spiritual because I asked for these things and then they happened? Now, not at all. The thing to see here is that point B is never going to be the end objective for God. Why? Because it's not eternal. It's still earthly. Sometimes God is going to use our point B to move us to God's B prime. So, the godly marriage or the successful career or the thriving ministry is a blessing, yes. It's not the end objective. It's moving us to God's objective. And sometimes the Lord introduces an entirely different place than our point B in order to move us to God's B prime. Here's an example. Think about Joni Erickson Tata. Her paralysis was not God's ultimate objective. Her paralysis was also not B prime. Her spiritual growth the channeling of her artistic talent, her creativity and intelligence, her spiritual hunger, her role in God's great work of salvation, those were God's B prime. To take care of his beloved ones, especially the disabled. That was where God was moving Joni Erickson Tata. Her paralysis was completely different than her own point B. At 18 years old, that was not at all what she had in mind. In fact, it was a devastating change of course. But what we can say is that God's B prime for Joni included paralysis because it held within it the development of her character to be like Christ, the development of her talents, her work, the movement of her life and her focus in a particular way which would never have been developed without this felt catastrophe of her accident. Now I'm going to use another example, this time from the Bible. And thanks, Bill, for going back to Exodus. That was brilliant. So that's what I'm going to do, too. Actually, this uh, story is in Numbers. It's not in Exodus, but it happened while the people were in the wilderness. And here's how it goes. From Mount Hor, the Israelites set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up to, out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. 
the manna. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many Israelites died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, then that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Now let's review. The people's point A was the terror of dying an excruciating death by the fiery venom of these serpents. And their point B was that the serpents would disappear and that they would be safe. And their method was that the Lord would take the serpents away. God did not do that. Removing the serpents, or causing the serpents to die, or making the people able to kill the serpents before they bit them, or making the people immune to the serpent's venom, none of these things were going to harmonize with God's B-prime. Instead, through the bronze serpent, God deepened the people's understanding of their own transgression. It was a venomous poison that ate away at their souls. The serpent was the image of their wrongness in not trusting God and for calling God's provision for them detestable. So they had to look at that symbol of their own sin and of God's judgment and believe God's promise in order to literally be saved from dying. And now, move your mind thousands of years ahead, and there is Jesus, making a connection between the serpent and himself. That's a pretty deep B-prime. Let me give you some more examples. And it starts out with my presenting issue, my point A, the method that I'm going to try to get to my point B, and then my point B. And in this case, it's going to be that I'm hungry and I need food. No one can object that I should get some food. And then, my point B, I eat until I'm satisfied. All right, so let's see how this example works out with Jesus. Jesus was in the wilderness. He was hungry. His plan was that he would rely on God. His point B ended up being a 40-day fast, and he almost died of starvation. But God's B prime was that the Lamb of God would be proven spotless, that he might take away the sins of the world. All right, what about Moses? Moses went up on Mount Sinai, and he needed food. His plan was that he was going to rely on God. Now, his point B is that he didn't get any food for 40 days. But God's B prime is that Moses would be miraculously sustained for all 40 of those days, somehow by God. And it was to show Moses that God would take care of him in every circumstance, that Moses could trust God, even here in the wilderness. All right, what about David? David and his men were fleeing Saul, and they had no time to pack food, no time to get food. They were running for their lives. And their plan? They would rely on God. Now, their point B ended up eating forbidden food. That was a crime. 
But God's B prime was that David and his men would understand God was on their side, that they were blessed, and that David was anointed. All right, what about the Israelites in the wilderness? They were hungry, and as they said, there was no food and no water. But even though they were reluctant, they had to rely on God. Now, their point B ended up being manna, the same food day in and day out, and they did grow tired of it. We saw that. But God's B prime was that they would understand God would sustain them. God would take care of them. God was there for them, and God was faithful. And sure enough, thousands of years later, Jesus would point to that manna, saying, The manna gave them life every day, bread from heaven. But I am the true bread from heaven, and I will give you eternal life. Talk about a deep B prime. It's easy to get discouraged or to feel unloved by God or unheard by God when we keep our eyes on the physical plane and we see not only our own plans and dreams and goals fall to pieces, but we look around and we see the whole planet sort of going up in flames. We see disaster in every direction. And sometimes, like those ancients, Moses and the Israelites, we can't see the full picture of what God has in mind. There's no way they would have known thousands of years later Messiah would point to the stories of their lives as showing who he was, as prophecy of who he was. And you and I, we're not going to live thousands of years either. We're not going to be able to pull back and see that huge depth of the B prime that God may have in mind. So what do we do? How do we cope? Especially when the road to B prime seems to be taking me farther and farther away from the point B I had in mind. Well, I wish I could say there is a secret formula. I mean, if there was, we wouldn't need those shelves and shelves of books. We would just have the one book. But what the one book does say is that what we need to do is ask God for help. Just ask Him for help to get us through right now. And ask Him for wisdom to take the right next step of faith. And then to ask God to fill us with his spirit that we would have the courage and the wherewithal to take that step of faith. And then to take the next step and the next step. Because we know that our all-knowing, all-good, all-loving, all-powerful Lord is governing the universe. That he's sustaining all things by the power of God's word. And God is guiding human history towards a glorious new heaven and earth. And one day all things will be reconciled to God. God is working in the spiritual plane for something much more long-lasting than whatever can be achieved on the physical plane. God is working on B prime. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, it is hard to pull back and have that perspective, especially since we're finite creatures. And being under the dominion of time, well, we don't always see what the prime is going to be. So please strengthen our trust in you. Please help us take those steps of faith. Please encourage us when we feel discouraged that you really are governing the entire universe, guiding 
the events of history, and that you are interested in each personal life, and that you have good in mind. We pray it to the praise of your grace.